Hi guys, welcome to episode 9 of True Crime Time, the podcast where we talk about all things true crime. I'm Megan, here with my furry companions Carmen and Banks. I can obviously not guarantee that they will not go insane at some point. As someone pointed out, it sounded like they were fighting in a box at some points during the last episode. So we will take that as it comes. I do want to apologize. I haven't been able to post a new episode for a bit. I have a lot going on right now between obviously, you know, working full time, doing research for this podcast, excuse me, Um, which in and of itself really could be a full time job, which would be the coolest job ever. Um, and also getting things together for some family events. My sister is getting married next month, so obviously that takes up a lot of mental space. So it's a busy and exciting time. Um, I just don't want you guys to think I forgot about you. Um, you know, true crime is always something lingering around in my brain. And I just want to make sure I'm always providing quality content. Um, at least as quality as I'm capable of. Uh, I want to remind everyone to follow True Crime Time on Instagram. We're having a great time over there. Almost a thousand followers so far. All we're missing is you. Um, Also, I've gotten some submissions, but I want to remind you guys to keep sending me your close to home stories. Um, These are things you've experienced in your own life, whether it's you or someone close to you, like a family member, friend, coworker, whatever related to murder, solved or unsolved, kidnapping, survivor stories, um, paranormal, or just plain creepy like the time you avoided the awful guy at the bar who was, you know, giving you murdery vibes, whatever, stuff like that. Um, They should be shortish and sweet, 100% in your own words. Keep sending them. If we get enough, I can probably fit one or two at the end of each episode. So tell us your story. We want to hear it. You can DM the True Crime Time Instagram. That's True Crime Time, all lowercase. Now a quick commercial before we get into our case today. And we're back. Uh, Today we're talking about H.H. Holmes. Does he sound familiar? Maybe vaguely. Whenever he comes up in conversation, and if you guys are anything like me, he does. Uh, He's always the one where people go, oh, is he the one with the murder hotel? Why, yes, he is. Except he called it the castle. Uh, Essentially, America's first documented serial killer, H.H. Holmes, is unquestionably one of the most prolific classic serial killers I have ever learned about. Um, If there were some kind of serial killer hall of fame, side note, is there, he would be the founding father or grandfather or great, great, great grandfather Born in May 16th, born on May 16th, 1861, is Herman Webster Mudgett in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. Thanks, Wikipedia. He was born to English immigrants and he had four siblings, two sisters, and two brothers. He was smack in the middle age-wise, so maybe some of his early trauma stemmed from severe middle child syndrome. That's definitely a thing. There isn't a whole lot known about his childhood his parents were strict and religious there have been rumors for lack of a better term that he maybe tortured animals as a youngster or had a violent father but really none of those stories were corroborated um 
It has been said, though, that some bullies at school had forced him to go to the local doctor's office where they made him touch a human skeleton uh, because they heard he was afraid of the doctor. And naturally, being shitty little kids, they thought this would be fun. Turns out, little Herman was fascinated. So we can blame this one directly on the children. Um, Around age 16, he graduated from high school and got a job teaching. He met and then married a woman named Clara Levering in 1878, and they had a son a year or two later. I did hear in a documentary I found on YouTube that he was kind of obsessed with money and status, so he kind of set out to achieve these things. At one point, he became a certified accountant and even served as city manager in Florida, Um, I guess you didn't need any experience to do things like that back in the day. But when he was 19, which at this time is basically middle-aged, he entered the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery, which he graduated from in June 1884, barely. They had to convene the board to do a vote twice because he was just very meh as a doctor. But ultimately, they decided they would allow him to be a doctor. So that's a great sign, right? Uh, I definitely want all of my doctors to have graduated just by the skin of their teeth. That's very confidence-inspiring to me. Um, So backing up a teeny bit to his life during the college days, he worked in an anatomy lab as well as apprenticed with a doctor who was known to be an advocate of human dissection. Obviously, if you work in the medical field in anatomy, you need specimens to work on, right? That's right. There were bodies all around. Remember how I mentioned before how he thought money and status were important? Um, Well, he started stealing the bodies at school and disfiguring them in some way, making them mostly unrecognizable, um, stating that the people had been killed accidentally, and then cashing in their insurance policies, which he himself had taken out on them. Uh, A time before computers. You could never get away with that now. No way. So... He would either actually use the real people's names or in some cases make up a completely new person. He would report some kind of accident to the police. They would investigate. He would get the insurance payout. Um, Obviously, this is shady as hell, but he was an esteemed doctor for God's sake. He was above suspicion for a time. So he's graduated with his shitty doctor diploma or whatever. His wife left him before he graduated. Um, apparently he had not been very nice to her on the regular. Didn't see that coming. Uh, she claimed she didn't hear much from him or about him after that. He moved around a little bit to New York and then to Philadelphia, which are personally a few of my favorite cities, murder aside. But while in Philadelphia, he took a job at a drugstore. But strangely, while he was working there, a young boy died after taking medicine that had been gotten from the store. Much is denied any involvement and then immediately fled the city because that's what you do when you're innocent you flee immediately that brings us to his ever fateful move to chicago uh right around this time is when he changed his name to hh holmes hh being for henry howard which of course sounds much fancier than herman webster mudget like he would be standing around in a fancy office smoking a pipe, surrounded by many leather-bound books and the smell of rich mahogany, which is exactly what he was going for. Also, if you got that reference, we can be best friends. Anywho, in 1886, he got married again. 
I didn't mention getting uh, him getting a divorce before, did I? No, I didn't. And that's because he didn't get one. He married Murda Belknap while still married to his first life, uh, his first wife, Clara. After marrying Murda, he did file for divorce, but the suit went nowhere. So he was just married to both of them. It's been said that Clara probably never even knew he filed. Um, he had a daughter with Murda, and then guess what? Eight years later, he married again to a lady named Georgina Yoke, but this time he is married to both Clara and Murda. What a guy. So here we are, August 1886. We're in Chicago. Our newly named H.H. Holmes gets a job at a local drugstore, which he eventually buys from the owners, who he struck up a seemingly normal relationship with. He actually worked his ass off and wound up buying an empty lot across the street he had decided to build. Construction was started in 1887. The first floor uh, was for retail, even a new drugstore, and the second floor was apartments. So he had a two-floor kind of mixed-use building. He actually had some trouble with architects and the steel company because he just decided he didn't want to pay them. So they sued him. Yes, even as early as the 1800s, people were suing people. Isn't that nice? In 1892, he decided to add a third floor. He wanted to cash in because the World's Fair, also known as the World's Columbian Exposition, was coming to the area. Understanding that people would need places to stay while they visited, he wanted a piece of the money and set his mind to using the third floor as a hotel. So here's the thing. Our buddy A.J. Holmes was a freaking weirdo he would get materials from the builders and furniture people and not pay them and just hide them around his weird incompleted castle it's been said that there were hallways and passages to nowhere the hallways were like mazes there were doors for no reason soundproof rooms hidden rooms trap doors just any kind of weird thing you could imagine um which kind of reminds me a little bit of the Winchester Mystery House, which is another cool spooky place, but that is a story for another time. Um, in addition to his alleged desire for a piece of the world's fair money, he had something else on his mind too. And the cat's just knocked something over. Um, so anyone want to guess what he had on his mind? Did you say Murder. Uh, he had his office outfitted with pipes and vents and would actually pump in gas. Then once his victim had dropped dead, he would drop them down a series of chutes that were installed in, I believe, different bathrooms until they dropped into the basement where he had several vats of, uh, vats of acid, a large oven, and two pits full of quicklime, which is essentially something that would help dissolve human bodies or probably any kind of body. Um... Obviously, that required a lot of premeditation and planning, so he was pretty sure this was something he wanted to do. Then he went back to his roots, which, if you guys remember from a few minutes ago, was making money off skeletons. So he essentially created himself a skeleton factory. He continued to collect insurance policies off them, um, but also sold them to uh, medical schools. Uh, For the time, this was huge because... Cadavers were like gold for medical schools, as they were pretty hard to come by. Uh, maybe it's still like that, because really, how do you come upon an influx of bodies to work on? But apparently, H.H. Holmes had an answer, because the H.H. Holmes murder castle and skeleton factory was booming. There were a bunch of, um, there are currently a bunch of cool drawings and crap 
about the house um, online, about the layout, um, where all the weirdness was. And that's personally one of the things I find most interesting about this entire case is this crazy twisted residence, I guess I would say, building. Um, A.J.H. Holmes confessed to 27 killings, less than 10 of those were actually confirmed. The ones they could confirm go as follows. Um, doctor, doctor, what is a doctor? I don't know what that is. Dr. Robert Leacock was a schoolmate uh, who was killed in 1888 for $40,000 life insurance, which, you know, $40,000 at that time was like $11 That's a lot of money. Um, Dr. Russell, who had lived in the castle, was killed during a dispute over rent. He was the first of the bodies that um, Holmes sold to medical schools for only $25 to $45, by the way. I would be super pissed if I got killed for $45 and I personally would haunt the shit out of whoever killed me because that is not cool. Um, I don't necessarily think there's a good amount to get killed over, but $45 is just a goddamn insult. Um, Julie and Pearl Connor, a mother and daughter, suspected, it was suspected that either they, I'm assuming the mom, was on to him or just for um, insurance money. They're not sure why. Julie, that's the mom, was also sold as a mounted skeleton to a medical school. Um, a man named Mr. Rogers, which is super unfortunate, was killed by blunt force trauma. Uh, one of the maids from the castle, Lizzie, was suffocated, maybe by the poison gas, um, because he was afraid his janitor would run off with her. So that's super chill of him to do. Um, I don't want to mess up this name, Emmeline Sagrand, who was his mistress, but he was actually supposed to marry her. But instead of marrying her, he suffocated her on their wedding day. Maybe just say, no thanks. That probably would have worked out better for everyone. Um, Minnie Williams was poisoned and buried in the basement. He then somehow persuaded her sister to become involved with him, had her sign over all of her belongings and money, and then killed her too. Uh, during this time um, at the castle, I guess he had what would be best described as kind of like a right-hand man. His name was Benjamin Peitzel. They had come up with a scheme for this guy, Peitzel, to fake his death so his wife could collect on their insurance policy, which is $10,000, and then split it between Holmes and some other grimy dude they were involved with. Um, Instead of having to go through the trouble of finding a body that resembled Pidesel enough, Holmes just knocked him out and burned him alive, which is gross. Um, somehow he was able to, to convince the wife, who for all intents and purposes seemed to not be aware of what was going on, that three of her children should stay with him for a while, which is weird. She had two other children who stayed with her. Um... Allegedly, he traveled with the kids around the northern U.S. and Canada. Meanwhile, he's lying to Miss Pysel, saying her husband is in London, the kids are great, blah, blah, blah. Some of the articles I read implied that he was having an affair with Mrs. Pysel while he was married to, well, everyone else I mentioned earlier. So Mrs. Pysel's three children are missing, basically, at this point. Eventually, it's discovered that, and this is awful and disgusting, he made the two girls climb into a trunk, cut a hole, and stuck in a hose that was piping out gas 
to suffocate them while they were stuck in the trunk. Uh, the bodies of the girls were eventually recovered from the basement of a house Holmes had rented in Toronto. The third child, a boy, was killed in a rental home in Indianapolis, and unfortunately all that was recovered of him was some teeth and bits of bone from the chimney. Um, it's believed he was also poisoned and then burned. So H.H. Holmes was finally arrested in July 1895. The castle was finally investigated and all of its horrors unearthed. It's been said that there's a lot of sensationalism of things found within the castle walls is fiction. For example, there was torture equipment all around and so on. But despite being a shitty doctor, I think our friend here was smart enough to keep things regular enough looking to lure people in to kind of a false sense of security. Like he didn't just have his weird rack out in the middle of the floor. Um, so H.H. H. Holmes was put on trial specifically for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel in October 1895. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. He wasn't tried for any other cases. It was after his conviction that he just kept confessing to other deaths. A newspaper paid him something like $7,500 for his confession, um, but everyone was kind of bummed to find out it was mostly bullshit. He gave a lot of conflicting accounts of his life. Sometimes he was innocent. Sometimes it was Satan's fault. Sometimes the cat told him to do it. I don't know. Just whatever bullshit. It was always a different story every time he talks. Um, So while we don't know the full scope of what he has done, we do know for sure he was a murderer and all around lowlife. He was hanged in at prison. I'm not attempting to pronounce the name of the prison because it's very long um it's in or outside philadelphia and reports say he was calm and pretty chill leading up to his death it's pretty interesting to me and probably to everyone that he asked for his coffin or casket to be encased in cement and buried deeply to avoid grave robbers um because he didn't want to end up dissected that's rich right so holmes was hanged and earmuff sensitive people his neck did not break when they, uh, he dropped on the rope, causing him to be slowly strangled to death over about 15 minutes, which I can't say isn't what he deserved. Um, lastly, and I did not fact check this, but it's stated on Wikipedia um, that H.H. Holmes's body was exhumed in 2017, and that's the first I've heard about that. So according to what I read... They basically dug him up to make sure it was really him in there because I guess there had been rumors he had escaped execution. So this part legit gave me chills when I read it. Ready? Because his coffin had been encased in cement, his body was not found to have decomposed properly or normally. His clothes almost perfectly preserved. And you guys, oh my god, his freaking giant trademark mustache was intact still of all the things that gave me a chill over everything else um i don't understand why but yikes at any rate it was confirmed the corpse or skeleton ish i guess was found to be for sure hh holmes um again i don't know if any of this part is true but if it's not you can blame wikipedia uh, so that's a taste of H.H. Holmes for you. The skeleton maker has become the skeleton. That doesn't make any sense. 
Um, but whatever. There's definitely more in-depth info regarding his life and his victims, one by one, available online if you're interested. Um, H.H. Holmes has kind of been done to death, but I wanted to make sure that I touch on all of the the heavy-hitting infamous serial killer so he needed to be part of the true crime time collection as well um please come check out the instagram true crime time for pictures related to this case i'll be posting those later today um i also wanted to do a quick shout out to a person named lucian i believe or lucian i don't know i'm sorry i believe female i could be wrong this person shared a little bit of their story with me and told me to share it and let it be known, but that unfortunately deleted their Instagram before I could go back for details or to kind of expand on the case. So here's what I know. Uh, This person shared with me and okayed me sharing this with you, so I just want to make that clear, um, that she was sexually abused by someone she knew from age 11 through age 25, which is horrible, obviously, but her abuser was murdered interestingly he was at a bank making a transaction and another criminal came in to rob it in a twist of fate the criminal shot and killed her abuser obviously having no idea what a disgusting animal he was normally this would be an innocent bystander and i guess technically he is in this specific scenario but in this case justice was served and in lucian's word words you know they were freed from his iron grip. Lucian, you're a badass survivor and so important for victims to be heard. And I'm so glad that you reached out and you wanted this to be told. And I'm sorry if I didn't or I couldn't do it more justice because I was unable to reach back out to you. But Feel free to reach out again. We could fill in the blanks. We could talk about it. Um, Hopefully I got what you did give me all right. Everyone else out there, just so you know, if you're a survivor, let your voice be heard when the time is right and you are comfortable. Let me know. Send in your story. Again, you can be anonymous if you want. Um, It's whatever you guys want to do. We're real flexible. So that's it for today keep sending your stories come find us on instagram and remember lock your doors and windows people